When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. The running back, I should say, behind Brady. Play action fake. Brady rolling, throwing toward the end. Odd ball. Touchdown, K-Dot. The tight end, same play that scored a six last week in Cleveland. Three minutes left. Fire the cannons. Bucks make it 16-9. Here's the snap. Brady dropping, looking. Brady throws. Caught ball. It's caught. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Rashawn White. Rashawn White. Touchdown, Buccaneers. Fire the cannons. Bucks tie the game at 16. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, Shane Schillerberg on the board. And I'm cold, DB. I'm not just cold when it comes to sports betting. I'm not just cold when it comes to Your heart. making fantasy decisions. I'm not just cold. I thought my heart was pretty warm, but okay, we can go that route. Are you, Sounds are good. You, are you, are you, I'm are you cold nice today. Guy. Anybody else cold out there? No. I nice. walked in and... We're at Hale Varsity Club right now, and right next to the hostess stand, yeah. the heater goes down, right? And we have the what the tube venting? Or is that what? I don't even know what this is called. The is it an HVAC thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah listen, that's Portuguese. Not <laughs> that dude. I don't know. There's these long tubes that spit out the AC and heat, and I stood under one probably for five minutes once I walked in. <laughs> I'm such a wimp when it's, it comes to cold weather, but which I, is why I'm wearing my big coat still. But I think it's like, what's the temp? It's 28, 29? It's not that bad. No, it, really, it isn't that bad outside. But did I you walked just, down did, and I... You did, know, you, did you wake up a little thin skin? It's like a mental thing, you know? I, oh, He's God. like, ah. I like to play indoor sports. Do you? Uh, well, now. Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> I thought that too, <laughs> and I almost, <laughs> I almost paid the price. Shoot. You know who else was ice cold last night? Tom Brady with two minutes left in that football game. Uh, it was, so at what point, you know they were setting up for drama when Aikman was like, oh, that was interesting. They're going to punt it. We'll see how that goes, goes over. Todd Bowles kind of winning out. I was like. You watch. They'll find a way to come back, win this game, and that'll be a moot point. And they'll joke about it at the presser like, ah, we had it in the bag the whole time. Right. But you're, you're darn near left for dead. You're punting the rock with six minutes and some change to go. The fans are booing for like the third time during the game. I'm like, yeah, TB12 is a real dude. Well, he doesn't show up until the last two minutes of the game, but really, if you win, <laughs> sounds does a that lot matter? like what somebody he used to flip with said. Um, I kid because I care. She just didn't think he was round enough until it mattered. <laughs> hey, underappreciated moment, though. What's that? The pass breakup on Taysom Hill on third and 14 
right before that punt. Did it get you like you didn't get you any defensive fantasy points? So why'd that stick in there? No, I, I just think that was a big moment for the Bucks in that football game. It, yeah. d- it didn't have any. Oh, okay. So you want to hear the best story here? So before this football game started, I was down ten points in fantasy. No, standard league, no PPR, no nothing. And I was in between uh, Chris Godwin and White. Okay, and let me guess, you took White? No, I took Godwin. I was I God, I, that's a good call. I took Godwin, yeah. and Godwin went for like it's six a, it's or a joke fifty-two, in there somewhere. right? Or something like that. And at the end of the game, right, third down, whatever it was, third and goal, Godwin catches the touchdown. I win the fantasy week. Not so However. fast, not so fast, my friend. Did you think that was picked? I'm like, did you even see Godwin real time? No, me neither. I was like, who's he throwing that to? No, and he laid it in the only spot he could catch it, and, and Godwin the, made the play. And the the like the little rockets or what do you call them? Cannons like boom and right. They had to go ahead and recork those things. I was like, gosh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> put I hope, it back in. Put it back in. I hope they, and that wasn't just a hold. That was like that a, was a hug. Yeah, that was a get over here. <laughs> that I'm, was a greeting. On I'm, Christmas. I'm cold. I haven't seen you. Kind of like that was, come here. That was a hey, Andrew. Come in here for, to like, warm up, right? And he goes palms up. Like you know exactly what you did, and you know why they you, they called it. Why do people palms up drive me crazy? It's almost an automatic. You got to come sit down. Well, and the best part about that was he didn't ever let go. Yeah. Right? He just kept holding. Huh? And I don't know did, if that did, was so Tom Brady didn't get clobbered because he would have gotten clobbered in that moment. Didn't matter for old TB12. But then, guess who catches the touchdown? Yeah. <laughs> so. And that would have won me my fantasy week. So were you thinking to yourself, you just, at this point, you can't win for losing? I just. I don't even was, know really what that meaning, what that saying means. Like, I don't know where they get it. I just. It was I mean, a stinger. Do I, do I say it right? It, you it can't you can't win for losing. Is that how is that the proper way to say that saying? Do you even know? Am I speaking I, English? Well, I I mean, I've Do I've you never ever, heard that saying before. Uh, you can't win for losing? You've never heard that? Uh-uh. Anybody else in this room ever heard <laughs> can't win for losing? Shane, you can't win Sasha, for losing. I love uh, when, yes. Thank you, Shane. I, because you're over the age of 12? Yes. Sasha but how come? Don't get credibility from the room. <laughs> hey, <laughs> do you think she purposely ignores us, or she has her headphones in? She oh. just unplugged. Well, her hair's long. Like I, I can't see that far. So she like looks at me. Although like, I, she only has one in. The near side is out. I think she can hear me. She can. Yeah. I did, think she chooses. Did to you ignore. realize that she's like low key funny? She, like, I always knew she was funny. Like from yeah. the jump. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't. I was like, ooh, boy, I don't know what to See, say to her. See, Sasha, Sasha's two things. <laughs> she's funny and she's tired all the time. <laughs> I asked her how she loves these mornings and she goes, <laughs> yes. What is that and even? that's the combo of like, being tired and Like, funny. what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of scared I mean, me. I, I kind of make that noise every time my alarm goes off at five. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the shower this morning and Zoe's sick and I hear this. And I, there's kind of like this mesh thing through the top of the shower screen. And she goes, I go, hello? She goes, I just need a tissue. 
and she left. I'm like, this little girl, she's been here before. So are there not tissues in, like, the hall bath? Um, I don't know why she picked that one, to she be honest. She, she likes messing with you. I think that's, that's the thing. You know, that's a legit question because there's some on the coffee table, too. I don't know why she came she, in there. I think she just likes to see you. I think she likes to just baby tap. <laughs> and why are you up at five, you know, whatever that She was. likes hearing her name be told in There's the no way she can go to school today, though. She missed yesterday. Yeah, how is she doing? She's okay. It was only five of her 13 kids were in class yesterday. It's that season. Dude, like the influenza, like, just ripped through there. Is it too late to get your flu shot? I don't know. You Like, you're talking... I know nothing. <laughs> like, because Ashley and I were talking about that the other day. Like, Mary Kate and <laughs> Ashley. Is it too late to get your flu shot now? I don't know. You have to ask a genius. Can, can a doctor call in and let me know? Anybody I, out there? I know who you shouldn't ask. You? Fauci. <laughs> Good one. Stick to sports. <laughs> exactly. Hey, outside of Monday Night Football, this week presents a very good opportunity for both basketball mind. teams to either keep trending in the right direction or the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And we'll start with Nebraska, who has 14th-ranked Indiana on deck. And later on in the show, we'll talk to Pete DiPremio. Uh, he writes and reports for Hoosier Basketball, and we'll get his thoughts on that Indiana team. Very good Indiana team, but coming off a loss – to Rutgers and a loss where they did not shoot the ball well at all. You could probably say they were on an emotional hangover after taking down UNC. Scoring. Although Piscataway all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, the last couple of years has become a very nasty place to play. I'm serious. Like and Rutgers I, quietly playing there. It's, it's dark. It's, it's a weird kind of gym. It's old school. Like Rutgers has their number there. I've read that, but I've never witnessed that. Yeah, it's ugly. It, it really is. And listen, I traveling on the road in this conference, take your chances. I mean, who do you feel good about? Even mm-hmm. even Penn State. I, maybe you can't even go to Northwestern. Ask that to Michigan State. <laughs> they took it on the chin again. Like, where do you feel comfortable traveling on the road in the this Big conference? Ten, though, is is such a strong basketball. Maybe Minnesota. I'm scared to say that. Derek Walker has played so well for this Husker team since returning from injury. 16.8 points per game. He's got nine and a half assists, which is a number that I think it's slept on a little bit for a big man to have that many assists. And he's also shooting 73% from the field, which that number. Uh, you'd, he's, he's, you'd have to expect he's going to come down from, from Mars. Well, he gets eventually. a lot of point blankers, but he had some little crafty finishes against the Jays where he would use either hand. And I was like, and he doesn't look as fit as 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 he has, you know, he's, he's kind of yoked. And he's, he's got a nice frame, but he looked a little bottom heavy. But his agility and footwork much improved. Well, he's much going improved. to have to do a lot more than just score. Yeah, he's got, he's got a very versatile front line that he's going to see in Bloomington. Well, I mean, he gets Indiana's best player for one, the preseason Big Ten player of the year. That's Trace Jackson Davis, and he's been – just, I mean, he's been better than Derek Walker, but, you know, he's given that 
that accolade so early on because of what he does on the floor. 18.3 points per game. He's got 8.6 boards a game. And he's also shooting in the high 60s. This is something that when you look at Jackson Davis, big guy, 6'9", another big body, because he took on Kalkbrenner, mm-hmm. right? And it's not that Derek Walker is a small kid by any means. But you look at Jackson Davis, and he just does such a good job on the inside. You talk about footwork, that guy's footwork's on point. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like having watched Indiana three or four times this year, uh, watched him against Xavier, watched him against Carolina, saw a little bit against Rutgers on the 60. Do you watch Big Ten and 60? No. Oh, fudge. That's the best way to watch games. Commercial break, just the kind of the. Can main you list. get that on YouTube TV? Yeah, that yeah. I'm a I'm a YouTube TV guy. Like I have some other. We talked about my other. Is that like service. Red Zone for Big Ten? Um, on steroids because you can get the bulk. It's the equivalent, kinda, to watching if you want to watch a game and you click instead of join live, watch the key plays to catch up. Oh, that's cool. So it it's it's really that. So. Because Red Zone only shows scoring plays, and plus yeah. they cover so many different teams does it, throughout the day. Does it seem weird that I'm not a Red Zone guy? Does it fit my personality? I, you think if it would because like, it's efficient and it's to the point, but... I was going to say, if you like this Big Ten, you said 60, yeah. Big Ten 60. If you like that, that shocks me. It's that basically like no commercials, though. But when you watch Red Zone, at least the majority of the public, yeah. I think they watch it for fantasy purposes over the actual enjoyment. Mm. I don't know. That's just my, and my that's personal pr- that's, take that's on probably it. right. That's probably right because I can remember like, when uh, we would go watch games and stuff, and I've never been a watch games out guy, but I, I, I had a couple buddies that I – I got a good buddy, Brian. He's in Lincoln now. Um, funny, his handle is 255 wins because he's a big T.O. guy, so 255. Anyway, so we would go to like DJs and – this was early in the fantasy game. And we would see these people with, like, pens and notepads and the same five guys in the same five jerseys. One of these guys was a crazy Philadelphia Eagles fan. I'm like, this isn't even fun. Like, they're barely – the Philly guy was cheering for his team, but they weren't really cheering for teams. They just were cheering for people to – to score and I did players. I didn't start doing fantasy until like well I didn't get in a league until probably oh nine and I was college and I was terrible I remember I drafted all of Arizona State's football team once I thought that was the way to do it and, but I and I didn't do it again until two years ago so I've never been a fantasy guy and I'm like what is everybody doing but now it's progressed so far. I mean, you get your phone or, or mm-hmm. whatever else, and well, yeah, you it's d- like you don't you have to write it on paper anymore. You just keep track, and it's like, what is going on? Well, I'll tell you what, DB2, fantasy is so great, just not only just for the average fan, but just an avid sports fan as well, because for me, it's so easy for me to get in touch with so many different players, and then I, I, I gain an infatuation for certain guys because of how they perform on my team too. But aside from that, the biggest thing is it allows me to kind of like know all of the players in the league. Yeah, it's, and the ran- big it's, players it's random too because in talking to you off topic in the summer sometimes about – it was, wasn't even the summer because the NFL season had started. 
and I would bring up a guy, and he'd say, oh, he had a good game. I'm like, no, he, <laughs> it was no. Damian Pierce. I'm like, no, he didn't. He rushed for like 54 yards. It's 15 carries. Like, what's I mean, two touchdowns? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I've got, <laughs> I've got a fantasy guy on my hands. Yeah, it's like that's like so. Last week, Cam Akers, I would say, had a good week, although he did not run very well. The curious, he ended up in the end zone twice. The curious case, touchdown, Cam Akers. Yeah, what's up with that? The rise and fall. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Hey, fun fact though, going back to Nebraska, Indiana. Do you know that Xavier Johnson was almost a Husker? Really? Yeah, yeah. There was a coach. There was a basketball coaching change, and in the transition, Nebraska lost Xavier Johnson. Now they get to play against him, and Cop, who shot the lights out the other night, and he's yeah. really their legitimate three-point sh- shot maker. But they're going to have to find a way to slow down Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis because that front court is going to be a handful. I- I'll be curious to see because Breidenbach appears to be kind of hitting his stride. You know, kind of mm-hmm. back healthy. Mm-hmm. They're Blaze Keita. They're they're gonna need they're gonna need all bodies on yeah. deck. Well, Cop isn't that team though. Like no, that, I I understand. He's that shooter though. For he them. is, but his production in that game. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying Tomanaga's. <laughs> you know, Nebraska's guy. Hey, what do you have, what do you have against Tomanaga? I don't have anything <laughs> against him. He's, I I just think he say he's, he's he not. Got it. <laughs> he got it. How about, how He's about, not that team. How about Kisei with the kiss off the glass that kind of quelled the mm-hmm. run? I keep telling you, man, go back and watch that little that little two-minute stretch against Creighton. And you've, you, I'm telling you, you felt good. You said, hey, you know what? Today is not going to be Creighton's day if you're a Nebraska fan. And if you're a Jays fan, you were thinking, are you serious? Like, they're just not going to go away. So it just depended on your perspective. Yeah, just when I look at the Hoosiers, their identity – is Jackson Davis, but it's also the new kid on the new kid on the block, and that's uh, freshman guard Jalen Hood Shafino. Is it Shafino or Shafino? It's it's Shifino. Shifino. Yeah. See, I'm horrible. With I, I I think. Now, and he can't shoot it. But how about how you can't speed him up? My man is a tempo. He's as cool as s- a cucumber. Seriously though, he's a little tempo setter. He's crafty. He gets to certain spots on the floor. I like how he uses his body to play angles because he's not like a he's not a blow by guy, but but he's he's crafty and and he I, he's a nice little a nice little find for Hoos- for the Hoosiers. And I don't want to take too big of a leap here and get too far ahead, but you look at what they have next, and that's undefeated Purdue, yeah, the ba- fourth ba- best team ba- in the country, ba- and they steps. are insane. Baby steps. You don't even want to talk no, Purdue yet? No, you want to just stick with no, the Hoosiers? No, because that state has a chance to be a thorn in Nebraska's yeah. side here this week. But uh, be, let's be honest. A little truth serum. You ready? Mm-hmm. Shane, is that really a thing? I know they do it in all your little comic book movies. Is truth, serum, is truth serum a thing? Sure is. Does the FBI still use that? Anyway, I, don't, I don't know who would use it, but... I've seen it in TV shows. I mean, wouldn't Tony, you just, Tony wouldn't Stark? You, wouldn't you just tell the truth anyway? The dude on Blacklist? The dude on Blacklist. Yeah, he might use it. Hey, so. Reddington? I don't know. I don't watch the show. I just, I got some family members that like Blacklist. I think it's Reddington. I have no idea. See, I can, I can, I can think back to TV shows, but I can't pronounce Shifano. Because I'm not sure. I've heard it a couple of different ways. I, it, I think it's Shifano. But, but we'll You're see. probably right. I'm not. Right. Listen, if I can't ask my spotter or producer ahead of a broadcast on how to pronounce the name or look at the enunciation, pronunciation, pronunciation guide, key. yeah. <laughs> so, 
now I forgot. So if I asked you to, a little truth serum, and I told you these three, this three game slate was coming up for Nebraska. You, you got the Jays, you got the Hoosiers, and you have oh and three. You got a boiler up, and I would have said, hey, Nebraska's gonna go one and two. Who would you have said that win was against? Hey, Indiana. Yeah, certainly not Creighton. No, right. So with this week, I mean, who knows? Creighton was the game that I least thought that they I would I talked get. about emotional hangover at the start of the show with Indiana. I yeah. hope that's not the case for Nebraska. So you know why I think you don't have – so there's two reasons I don't think you have to worry about that with Nebraska. Number one is Sam Greasel. Going to stay in the moment. My man is steady, Eddie. And he knows that's just one peg. Like that's, that's just how he thinks. The other thing is, is I think that team gets the sense – that, like, that was – people think that was it. That's their season. That's why they're playing. Even though Nebraska basketball has never really wanted to embrace the Creighton rivalry the way that Creighton has. And it caught up with Nebraska, much like Nebraska football in Iowa. So I don't know if Nebraska basketball thinks it's – if you're not from here. On those guys on the roster, I don't know if they think it's as big a deal as the fan base that goes back and forth. So I think they'll stay in the moment because the prize is playing in the Big Ten Conference. That's just the sense that I get from this team. I could be completely wrong, but I know some guys. <laughs> More oftentimes you're right. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Flip a coin. <laughs> it's kind of how we, tails. That's hey, how we do it. Let's go to the other side of the coin. Talk a little Creighton before we hit the break. They're searching for rhythm right now mm-hmm. after dropping three straight. It's probably too hard. Not hard. Probably too harsh to call this a rut that Creighton's in. Yeah. They lost to two top 25 teams. Moral of, moral of the story, they just aren't shooting well. But how does that get fixed? Got to find a way to put the biscuit shoot, shoot better, in right? The that sounds basket. easier said than done. But I think it's more mental for Creighton right now. When things are going bad, they don't have the go-to score to pick well, things up. Well, they have it's multiple. Bad. It's who, it's who's it going to be? But even still, when two people try to do it, they're both missing. Yeah, so that's interesting, right? Should I turn my light on? And and God and said, let there be light. <laughs> right. So. I'm very curious, and I'm kind of nitpicky just because it's the coach in me. And I go back to that weird stretch against Texas where I felt like Creighton had closed the gap. Then I all of a sudden didn't like their shot selection. Right? I was like, uh, force it. And when uh, they're down, and, and three. that's when you start questioning. And, uh, yeah, so I'm getting ready. To, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build the case for you. And then I watched Nebraska – and it was a little bit of a panic mode when it was low 30s and they're kind of slogging and Nebraska's up seven. I didn't love the shot selection then either. But I bet you, back to the true serum, what's your guy's name, Reddington? Reddington. I bet you if you, had, you, know, you, you talk to Coach Mack and you sit him down, he's want, he wants to go to Kalkbrenner. I, I think if he had his druthers and that staff had their druthers that they would go to Kalk. Thing is you got to get him the ball somehow. So I think in crunch time, if I'm Creighton, I go two-man game with Kalk and Nimhart. Now, I know you're leaving Kaluma out, but from an efficiency standpoint, somehow if I have the dry erase board, I'm going pick and pop, pick and lob. 
I, I'm doing something in a two-man game, getting somebody in a ball screen, because Nimhard reads it so well. How uh, he t- he can keep the ball, the dribble alive. I, I think you got to somehow put some slips in there too. Yeah, well, th- and they have and they have that nice little versatility there. That's where you get the lobs, and he you saw the nice little crafty bucket they got. Uh, where he set the little high ball screen and then he did slip and you thought Creighton was getting ready to go on the run when they made it like, you know, 51-43 mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, they've got options. The guy that they got to get going, in my opinion, Trey Alexander. Seems like a get-right series for Creighton before Big East play. Coming up, we'll go over some of college football's biggest names to enter the transfer portal and explain why they'd be a good fit for Nebraska. <laughs> Oh, the little guy thinks he's funny. Nice bump music, hey, Shane. Ladies and gentlemen, the jacket has come off. As we welcome you back into Coffee and Cream with my man, Andrew Rogers. At Andrew Rogers TV. I have a... I, you know what's funny? What's funny? Shane, I want you to be careful, okay? Because it's my right-hand man. We, I, I try to take good he's care of him. He's on your left, though. Yeah, but I shake with my right hand. So he, but he doesn't guy. shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> the COVID tap. Hey, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry about sorry about that. It's my Tom Brady. <laughs> sorry about that. So Shane is the type of guy. So be careful. Be very very careful. He, he will give you the impression that he's not listening, and what? it will come exactly, and it will come back to bite you. So just know that he's probably taking – he's a chess checkers guy. He, he's probably he taking – yes. He has a list. So I'm saying a bunch of ridiculous things about Sasha's energy level and get this thing going, and I say big – I said big Mick energy, I think, right? And, I, you know, I'm just messing around. And so we're not even talking to nope. Ding, ding Dong he over here. And up. this dude comes back. He with, up. So you have to be very, very careful because he'll get you. He'll definitely get you. Hey, I'm just the guy that you guys call. On the show today, let's give you a quick rundown. We opened with Nebraska and Creighton basketball talk. Now in this segment, we'll get into the portal and where we kind of see certain guys landing and will they be in a Nebraska uniform? next next year next season we'll play take it or take it or leave it in the next segment and then we have an hour of guests we'll start with joel lorenzi he's creating beat writer for the omaha world herald follow that up with tim may of letterman row covering ohio state football recent college football playoff team playoffs and pete DePremio, who provides coverage of the indiana hoosiers to close out the show. Now, before we get into Portal Talk, I want to present the poll question that's on Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter page. You can go check that out at HVarsity Radio. What position should Matt Rule prioritize in the portal? Is that wide receiver? Is that offensive line? Is that secondary play or other? Another position, I know that one provides a, a bigger sample size, but I think I hit on the three there, DB that are of biggest need for this team to fill going into next season? Uh, I, I think they all should have said O-line. <laughs> but for me... That's where, not, that's where the votes are right now. Just so and I'm know. not trying to overthink this, right? But I do know that they could potentially get Teddy Prohaska, who had a great meeting with Coach Rule. 
Uh, so I'm very encouraged by that because uh, a comfortable Teddy P is a great Teddy P. Um, and we're going to have to get to that here in a sec because mm-hmm. that's huge f- news. fairly huge news. Um, this, y- is, this y- is so shocking. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is so shocking. Shane. Uh, breaking. Shane, Shane, Shane. Can we get the breaking, can we get the, uh, breaking news Sounder, I'm gonna I'm gonna call his dad here in a second too on break. Shane, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have a breaking. News. Well, d- do something like yeah. make da, it up, da, like da 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 da. That'll actually fit. Breaking news coming just about what 30 minutes ago, roughly. Ben Bramer has decommitted from Nebraska and has committed to Iowa State. Yeah, that's a huge loss. So I feel like. Gosh, I'm feeling some Chucky Hepburn vibes here. Sometimes during transitions, things get lost in translation. And I know, listen, Matt Rule made a run. But but Bramer was kind of already looking, searching. And I'm just telling you because it's happening in my own house. And you're going to get this with us. We're going to be super honest. Like uh, – I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat things just for friends or whatever. I'm just going to shoot you straight and keep it 100. I was very – there's two schools that I'm worried about in my own household, yep, let's say. Roof. Yep. If they put the full court press on in terms of recruiting because I think they're very good at what they do. That's Iowa State and that's Kansas State. Wow. I'm just telling you. Listen – Kind of Riley, Kleiman, those guys, good at what they do, as is Matt Campbell, Haycock, who is the defensive coordinator for Iowa State. So about a month and a half ago, Bramer started to kind of get this itch. And once I heard or got inkling Mm -hmm. that he was interested, that my concern meter was up. Right, and I got, I've gotten a chance to know his dad really, really well, uh, usually covering him in sports, but we had a lot of, uh, not a lot, we had a few off-topic conversations when I was getting ready for the broadcast of Pierce and, and, and their state championship run this year. So I got, a kinda, I got kind of a sense of what was important to him. And if you listen to his post-game presser after Pierce won the state championship. And I don't know if anybody watched Ben Bramer in that game. Listen, he is, so I've said this, A.R., I've said this for a year and a half, and it wasn't popular because of the star rankings, but I said in a former life, the top, my top three players, and this was a, probably 15 months ago, my top three players in this class, in any order, at, that time, at that time would have been Zane Flores, Maverick Noonan, Ben Bramer. And everybody was like, you know, no disrespect to Malachi Coleman because I actually think I could really, I'd like to spend some time. I've never really talked to Malachi Coleman. I just watch him because he doesn't know me and, and I, I just try to get a, but I've talked to, you know, I've seen Benny and a lot of these guys, Gatula, I, th- I think Sledge is a stud uh, at, at prep. Um, Maybe the best lineman of the bunch in this class. No disrespect to Knutson or anybody else or even Gatula, who's a heck of a nice kid. Holy smokes. But Bramer is the real deal. 
I, sure as I'm sitting here, if Ben Bramer stays healthy, if he stays healthy, he's a Sunday guy. Calling my shot. He is a Sunday caliber talent. And the crazy thing is, and I've talked to Coach Rule, as you'll, you can see here, probably 30 times. <laughs> <in the> <laughs> le- <laughs> I know that it was a level of importance. He went there. Yeah. Like, I've got to go talk to and this Pierce, guy. I want to. This s- isn't the, the most fun of drives. I want to see this guy. I just think that just knowing that family's personality, it was going to be about commitment to what was best for his son. Now, I'll, we'll get the backstory. You know, we'll find a way. Um, but man, is that you huge! Look at in, in my opinion, just because I, I think he's sensational. Well, I really I do. couldn't agree more. Ben Bramer plays much bigger than his size, right? And I'm not saying six five is small, but the 190 pounds aspect to his body weight—that's what's a little bit on the smaller end when it comes to somebody in the tight end position. I'm telling somebody you, you expect to not only block but also uh, get down the field, get vertical, things like that. But he has great hands and, and just great awareness on the football field. He knows where to be. Even in that state championship game, you look at the, the coverages put on him, the double coverage moments. He always He's, found a way to find the hole, find the I, slot. The ball found his hands. And that's why he had a game like Jamar Chase had against the Chiefs last year when he went for 200 yards and three scores. Yeah, so what, what you're hearing in, our, in my heart, I don't know, I want to speak for you. I'm not surprised, but I am a little taken aback just because I felt like this is one of those. This is a perfect example. Like I'm a, I'm a big learning experience guy. This is a prime example of if you're Coach Rule and you're Coach Satterfield and you're this staff, you can lay your head down at night and you know you did everything you could. This one wasn't about you guys. It, I'm not absolving. <laughs> oh, DB man, Homer for Matt Rule. I'm not. Because I know he busted his ass <laughs> to, 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 to try to salvage a guy that was mm-hmm. always, not to go all movie, but it was the curious mm-hmm. case of Benjamin Bramer because... He's salvaging his best right now. He's trying. But, I mean, sometimes you got to tip your cap. Like, Iowa State did a good job closing down the stretch because I think they smelled blood in the water. And... Coach Becton is so relational and so good at what he does. He gives you a level of comfort when he's recruiting you. And without Coach Becton in the picture and Nebraska kind of in flux, and I'm not saying Iowa State is in a fantastic position right now because they're not, but I do know how they recruit, and I do know what they say while they're recruiting. I think Coach Rule did the best that he could. Small town love's a real thing, and he's experiencing that and his, for the entirety his, of his, and his life. And now with a guy coming in from the Cyclones, giving him that relationship that he needs, it's I, I could I could totally away. see it. If you want a glimpse into that household, go back and listen to Coach Mark Bramer's presser or his media availability after they won the state championship and what he talked about and the things that are important to him. More Portal Talk is next. and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. We the best music. 
Had a little segment takeover there. Another one. <laughs> wow. Ben Bramer in the news. Coming out of Pierce, Nebraska. Ben Bramer now an Iowa State Cyclone. The Cyclones flipped him from Nebraska to Iowa State, which is a great get for them. I know we all would have loved to see Ben Bramer play football in Lincoln, but just such a such a great kid, such a great family, such a great football player. We wish him all the best in uh, his next his next endeavor playing at the college level. Yeah, I I I wondered out loud to a couple of guys in Lincoln on Sunday that he wasn't at the junior day. But I, fi- I reconciled it in my head because Coach Rule was just there. Right? He just mm-hmm. had seen Bramer. So I figured, you know, Ben has either had something, that, you know, family obligation or he's like, hey, I just met half the crew. It was just in the, the day before, mind, right? right? But it, it, it was interesting considering, like, who he was able to get in the room. Right, he had Malachi Coleman there. He had he had Benny Nagoi there. He, like, he rallied late to get some guys there, that I felt like, okay, like m- making some inroads when it would be easy for guys to waver. But you know, apparently that that was a, that was a real thing. And we got to get into the portal talk, but I want I want to touch on this really quickly. And if we don't get into a topic on this show. Make sure to head over to Herd at Sports, find Morning Dump in the podcast app, and that's where we will continue conversations that we just can't get to in our short amount of time here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio. But tell me a little bit more about Junior Day because you had a great story that was kind of lined up with uh, maybe a different sport, a sport that people aren't thinking of yeah, when you are at a football Junior it, Day. It was weird, and I'm all, it, it came up just because – um, it was a conversation on Twitter last night, and it caught me off guard when I saw it. But So they had a fantastic setup, right? They had, they had great food, and they had all these games set up, like real-life Connect Four. You could play bags. They had spike ball, and the TVs were on, and you know there were NFL games going on, and we're in the Hawks Pavilion, which is their indoor facility. But after a couple of hours, they're like, hey, you know, we're going to move over um, to the Players' Lounge. Um, we got some snacks, drinks, whatever. I know a lot of you guys are chomping at the bit to get on, you know, Madden, play some of these video games, so whatever. So there was like this slow kind of migration um, to a different part of the building. And, you know, in there, there's like basketball, there's, there's air hockey, there's, there, and there's ping pong. So uh, I, love, I love the Noonan family, right? Like, you know, Danny is a, a guy, used to go to the same church, and I've watched Maverick and his tw- his twin brother Alec for a long time and so he was playing ping pong with um Gunnar Gatula and I was like hey you know I'll, uh, I want to play the winner I got next and I didn't think much of it I was kind of just talking because I like the guy I just like the guys right and so um I go to sit down and I'm on the couch and all of a sudden about five minutes later I hear Mav's mom, Julie. She goes, hey, Benning, let's go. I kind of look over my shoulder. Now, there's some fellas in there, right? And I'm like, wait, what, what are we doing? She's spinning the ping pong paddle and bouncing the ball on the table like, get your little booty <laughs> over here, right? So I'm like, shoot, okay. 
So we start warming up. And she's like wearing me out. She won't even like let me like get some practice strokes in. She's wanting to start ping like early. And now people are starting to watch. So I'm kind of like. So a crowd's forming. You're getting nervous. I'm like, wow, she's good. Right? And are so, you good? I'm okay. Like, I'm good until I play like Terrence Crawford or I got a good buddy, Tommy Thompson. Old basketball player. He's, he's got the scoring. Right. Well, actually, Mitch Albers may have it at Omaha now, but Hooper. But he's like 6'6", six, six, right? And, and he's amazing. So the two best ping pong players that I know are guy in Omaha, Tommy Thompson, and Bud Crawford. Bud has a ping pong table in his gym. He is a ping pong legend. And he's ambidextrous, right, obviously. So those are the two best guys I know. So I'm not good relative to those guys. I'm okay. So we're playing, and she's – people are laughing. Like, she's wearing me out. It's – I think it's like, I don't know, 11-5 or something like that. <laughs> Short story long, I end up winning like 21-15, right? I'm, I'm in a dead – sweat. I'm kind of breathing heavy. I have to, I sneak over. So I went and I'm like, holy smokes, man. Like she's the real deal. Like I, I snuck use my inhaler cause I hadn't been feeling good. <laughs> this is a true story. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I go to get like th this, this protein drink. I'm like, Fudge, I like, I need to chill. And did you get the cold towel? Are you like laying back? And You're not vibing with it, me. I'm spent. I'm spent. AR. Oh, I'm vibing. That's why I'm, so I'm, I'm providing I'm, extra I'm, I'm, I'm kind of chilling, right? Lo and behold, last night, she tweets out a picture. She just spanked Coach Rule. And I kind of look at the picture. She's got a ping pong table at her house. Yep. I was like, she really tried to hustle me. And it almost, like when I tell you, I was have you ever done something? Because I'm competitive. Weird, right? I was on the verge of like. Tears? No. Like freaking out because I have to win. But I had to still well, be cool. And the cool, pressure was mounting. But I, I had to still be cool because it's just a game. Right? How much? So, so I was toying with that in my head and it was stressing me out. Would you have like lost? Like something inside of you if you would have lost that, so that game? So there is an 80% chance I could have lost if she, like did, integrity or anything? She, if she didn't have a couple of service errors late. I'm, listen, she can play. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doubting that one bit because I've seen her at a ping pong table surface for the past three yeah. days. I'm and, not she, and she's like cool too. So you don't get the sense like. Hey, I like how she called you out. Like, Get to the table. Right. Let's go. And so it's it's disarming, right? Because you think, oh, just kind of lighthearted. No. Like, and I get it. I, you know, I, I know the twins, and they play really hard. Alec is a fantastic basketball player, and I know how Matt plays, right? Like, at one point, like, when they were a little younger, I thought Alec was going to kind of be the guy because he's he, he plays hard, but he's a hooper. So I used to always pick their brain. I was like, you know, I'd ask Dan, and you know Danny's ultra competitive. Danny's still looks like he could do like competitive bodybuilding or something like that it's like in his 50s right he's a monster so i'd always pick their brain when i was this is probably four or five years ago about parenting your kids when you guys were good athletes what what worked for them how do you split time 
I, listen, pen and paper, right? So I they kind of got me to think, oh, man, they're four deep. No, they almost buried me. <laughs> and I imagine Danny just. Hey, what a story that would have been, though. Oh, man. And I go, hey. So I asked her. I said, hey. Like, that's a story you take home. It, it, it Just a glimpse into her personality because she's super funny. I was like, hey. I said, where's the big guy? I said, is, is he at home? And she goes, yeah. It's his fault. We have so many kids, so that's where he is. <laughs> He's at home. <laughs> oh, she's great. I was in tears, but I seriously about got my butt whooped, and I was traumatized. And I see on Twitter last night, she worked Coach Rule over. I was like, oh, yeah. she, And she's on her home court, like... Don't don't ever step foot in that household. Yeah. yeah. Note to self. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then she told me last night she wanted a rematch. I'm like, eh. I don't think so. Eh. Hey, We, we got to go neutral site. Hey, so the poll question of the day was, what position should Matt Rule prioritize in the portal? And 91.9% of our audience says O-line. Smart people. Smart people out there. Now, lately, when you look at the O-linemen that are available... For one, Cornelius was uh, given a lot of Matt, by, given a lot of attention by Matt Rule, yep. the FCS kid out of uh, Rhode Island. He was All Colonial Athletic Association first team, um, and y- you know he was helping lead the number three scoring offense uh, for the league. So it, it definitely makes Nebraska physically better up front if they can get a guy like him. But also, there are a ton of O-linemen out there and a lot that are coming from Alabama right now, I've been saying. Uh, the and they're going to be in high demand. So, like, there's going to be a pecking order. And I, I kind of get the sense of where they're starting. You know, there's the, there's the offensive lineman. There's, a, there's a, a big pile of quarterbacks. There's Keegan Johnson who – Spencer Sanders just made his way there is, too. Is, is going to have his list of suitors, the K-States, the Notre Dames, the Nebraska. I mean, Keegan is just tweeting out like offer after offer. I think Keegan will end up here. Hot take. Oh, I, I don't know, man. Like, I hope – so the more, pe- <laughs> the more people that come to Nebraska like that – my kid looks up to the better chance we have, <laughs> and he's a he's a huge KJ guy, Keegan Johnson guy. Yeah, so there's two guys I think that he kind of modeled uh, his behavior after, and Keegan Johnson is one. Xavier Watts is the other, who's was at Notre Dame. But I say all that to say, like prioritizing the portal is a job unto itself. So you need portal guys, you need guys that are actually out on the road. And I think he's willing and will have the resources to designate full-time staff to the portal in addition to the guys that I think are going out on the road because this this year is, I think is just the tip of the iceberg. Last year in the pandemic, kids didn't kind of know how to play it. This year you're seeing I also some think coaches, same way, we're trying to figure out how to play it. You're seeing some fellas because they're parlaying opportunity <laughs> – Ching ching with playing time. So it's a whole new ball game. So you better buckle up. We did not get to take it or leave it on this uh, show because we have a guest hour coming up next. But if you want to check out Take It or Leave It, we will play that on Morning Dump. But up next, we'll chat with Joel Lorenzi, Creighton Beat reporter for the Omaha World Herald. He's next on Coffee and Cream, powered by Currency. Hey, hey, back with you at the top of the hour. 
8 a.m. here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. And on the phone right now, we have Joel Lorenzi. Let's go. One of DB's favorites and Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Joel, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate you guys having me. One of your favorites? Did I hear that right? Yeah, so here's the deal. When I was transitioning and I didn't know what I was going to be doing, I was kind of mad that we hadn't really had a chance to talk to you yet in my former life. (laughs) So I was just kind of doing the Twitter thing and making sure that I was following what you're doing. And now, weird, I get a chance to talk to you every week. So, man, here's the thing. Number one, the music taste is on point. Uh, so, so that's gonna that's gonna be a topic of conversation. We we both like Creighton, and I finally got an NBA junkie that I think we can like <laughs> dabble in. Because sometimes I feel like I'm talking about the NBA to myself. Yeah, man. I'm not so, even that for you. So, will you? So we got to be friends, okay? Is that is, is that gonna be okay? Hey, you sound like my guy, man. Here, I, 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 I can get with it. Here we go. So I. This was kind of your first introduction to kind of what this series has been and Creighton's dominance. There's a, obviously a dislike of the fan between the fan bases, but it hasn't been much of a rivalry. What'd you make a round one in year one for you? Yeah, um, it was stunning, man. I mean, this is this is why we do college basketball, right? Like this is why we watch it. This is why we consume it. Um, that's what that game was about, and. And frankly, I owe Nebraska fans an apology because I wrote a column the day before. Um, obviously, I'm not from Nebraska, so uh, I hadn't spent years, you know, um, digesting the rivalry and, you know, what was left of it uh, after Creighton, you know, had had so many wins over the past 10 years or just during uh, McDermott's time here. But um, from my point of view and, you know, from what I – you know, seem to gather from my own perception from the team and how they were coming to the game, it felt like this game held less weight than recent years, to them at least. That was just from, from my view. That's not from, from their mouths. That's just kind of what I what I thought I saw. And um, I kind of wrote that. And, um, you know, Nebraska, um, well, I'll say I just missed Nebraska. Um, and they came in with a great game plan and played a great game, and they're they're rolling, man. I mean, Hoiberg out coach Mac, like it was, it was a whole ordeal. Um, so it was a, uh, <laughs> it's not what I expected for the, the first installment for me, but um, still a good game. And um, I mean, what can you say? Nebraska played a hell of a game. You know, Joel, when Creighton isn't shooting well, that's when they've been most vulnerable this year. And we we all know that. We haven't seen any of the top five, though, really step up over the last three games in time to put Creighton in a position to win. How do you think they get over that hump? Yeah, it's interesting because um, we were looking at the Austin game. I, I was down in Austin, and I'm looking at that game uh, they lose by five to the number two team in the country, and they were fresh off the loss to Arizona, which people swept them to the rug because it was like it was the third day of Maui, and you know it was just it seemed like there was a certain level of satisfaction with these losses because Creighton comes into this world now where uh, it's ranked among you know the the nation's elite, at least it was, 
Um, so there's like some, some moral victories there going on. And so they come into this game with moral victories. Um, and like the Austin, like against Texas, um, that felt like the floor, man. Like a two, two starters, mm. two of their better shot makers, not playing well at all. And Shireman and Trey Alexander, like that felt like the absolute floor because we hadn't seen anything like that. Maybe a guy didn't play super well. But two, to have an absolute, like, non-factor game like that was crazy. And then you come next game and Nebraska defends them about as well as anybody has. And you see all the starters didn't play well. Um, I think Kalkbanger was probably the most productive starter. And that wasn't saying much because Derek Walker ripped him to shreds. So um, I think it's just a, a, a time thing. Like, you won't continue to see that. That won't be a game-by-game game thing, but I do think confidence factors in a little bit there. Um, they need a they need a leader, man. I'm not... I look yeah. around and um, I don't know that this team has like a Ryan Hawkins to really put their foot down and and break this team out of their slump. But if that won't happen, um, truthfully, I think it's just a time thing. I mean, they can't just not hit shots forever, right? I mean... The last two games still feel like outliers after they shot like 40% from three for however many games outside of the first first game. It's interesting you say that. I want to stay right there in terms of leadership because you're right. Hawk was the guy before that. Zegarowski took control of that team. They had an alpha even though they had a lot of good players. Now they have arguably their best collection of talent is, can they play not knowing who the go-to guy is? And I don't mean the guy – I don't mean the two-man game that I think they'll run if they need a bucket between Nimhart and Kalkbrenner. I mean the guy that can command the presence in the huddle when things get a little out of whack. Are they talented enough to overcome that until that emerges? Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, uh, it felt like – they were going to be able to at least cruise through the regular season uh, for most of it without that guy because you saw they they beat Arkansas. That was, I mean, at the time, that felt like the game of the year, and there was some real momentum behind the team. Um, beat Texas Tech, which was a good win. And like I said, Arizona was swept under the rug like a moral victory. Um, everything was gravy. But um, now you look around, and um, last game, like it seemed like a lot of dudes – weren't playing with confidence by the end of it. Um, for people that ask me about this game, like I, I keep pointing to one possession where um, Arthur Coloma, and this is a guy I've been super high on. And I'm, I pushed that NBA agenda um, with him because I think he's a really talented dude and a good athletic specimen. Um, with eight minutes left, he had a shot that he's taken many, many times without hesitation uh, from deep. And he sat there and waited for Jawan Gary to close out. And he looked off the, the look he had because he was 0 for 4 from 3 by then. Mm-hmm. And you saw that lack of confidence kind of everywhere from a lot of dudes. I mean, I when the game started, Cerebello missed like a wide open fast break layup in that first half. And I'm like, damn, like he's not playing with confidence, um, which wasn't a great sign because he hadn't had a great start to the season. And by the end of the game, he seemed like the most confident one out there, which um, finally probably, gave he finally gave him some bench production. That's the guy that that 
his teammates and had practiced and shot it well before the season started, that may be closer to who Farabello really is because that's who his track record says he is. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, um, I think people, when they, look, when they look around and ask, they keep asking me, oh, what does it take to get something out of this bench or who's going to step up out of this bench? Farabello's always been the guy for that. At least the staff believe that. Um, because his floor is like, I mean, we kind of seen his floor, uh, probably lower than anyone envisioned it, shooting like 20 something percent from three going into that Nebraska game. But at his worst, he still doesn't make any mistakes within their system, which is what they like. So that's always going to get him time. Um, but as long as the, the shots at least halfway falling, like it was the other day, that's probably their best hope off the bench. But even then, if that's the case, like we really gotta reevaluate this team and see what it needs to do, then, right? Because that's probably not a, a great scenario. On the phone, Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. You can give him a follow at JX Lorenzi. Joel, the Blue Jays have a week off to practice before heading to Vegas this weekend to take on BYU and Arizona State. BYU, a 5-4 and four team. Arizona State, pretty good, 8-1, and one, and they do have a top 25 win this year. This seems like a get-right series for Creighton. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um I thought the Nebraska game um, was going to be a bounce back game for them. I thought really they wanted to come in and, um, you know, after losing two ranked games, really show like, okay, we're not too far off the way. Um, and it didn't happen that way. So these, these two games in, in Vegas are mandatory. And I think they're good in the sense that Mac had a, a good quote at the end of that game. Um, he said that, you know, after coming off those those ranked games, he said ranked teams are kind of in the same boat in the sense that they both, they got something to prove, you know, that kind of deal. Um, but when you play a good or decent team that you're expected to beat, that's a different dynamic and one they hadn't seen yet. And they probably overlooked Nebraska. Um, so uh, Arizona State's, and BYU, those are two similar games, I think, in that fashion. Um, two, Although they're going to have to find something to do still, with George. He can go get buckets for BYU. Yeah, yeah, And those are two games they can still lose, especially in the shape they're in. Um, but they're two games I think they should still be expected to win. And so they're just going to have to handle the dynamic. Uh, you know, they are the hunted now. And so um, teams will play them that way. And they can't go 10 for 40 from three every game. So, yeah. At what point so, – so this is two things. Globally, college basketball, because I'm looking at, you know, obviously Sasser's return to Houston changes their offensive prowess. They don't have to, to clutch and grab. They can score. Texas doesn't wow you, but they do have great athleticism. Virginia, yeah, it's Virginia, right? They're not going to outscore you. Do we believe in Purdue? When you look at the top of college basketball, at what point do you say, okay, these teams are who their record says they are, but I'm still not quite all in. Kind of like I was going to ask you about Creighton shooting the basketball. At some point, it is who you are, but it is still a little early if you want to change your mind. Take 
college basketball first? Yeah, um, well, I will say every at least three of the four teams you name are like top five defenses in the country, um, and that's been the difference to me for Creighton, and it probably could have. Um, well, would have won them the game the other day had Kalkbrenner, their anchor, looked how people project him to look. Um, Derek Walker ripped him to shreds, man. And um, that's that's the foundation of their defense. And um, you've, you've seen, like, as talented as their starting five has been, um, the defense that, that brought them so far last year and had people encouraged, has been a drop off. So and I think that's been consistent among the the nation's top teams. And that's not changing. That's what Houston's known for. That's what Virginia's known for. Um so and and, and that's what Texas and Chris Beard are, are known for at this point. And so I think those things you can expect to stay the same. I, I I think Houston's the best team in the country, so Yeah, see um, they can get buckets now. Do. Right? Like Yeah. And they got a guy. Like, everybody needs a guy when the shot clock is compromised. And Kelvin Sampson has been there. Like, wash, rinse, repeat. They're there when kind of the dust settles down the stretch. Yeah. And for my money, I mean, that's – I argue that's the best coach in college basketball. I love everything about Houston and, and what they got going on. And um, So, in terms of, like, early season, what to believe – Purdue shocked me, sure, but they also do what they have what looks like maybe the most dominant player in college basketball right now. So I think uh, you'll continue to see teams shift. I think uh, Gonzaga had an interesting start that pushed them kind of far. And, and, and every team has dropped a couple games that you thought probably wouldn't. Um, so I would say until about mid-January – that is when I start to settle into rankings. But I, I have no complaints with how they look right now. I mean, UConn, it looks like the Big East run for UConn, and they look scary, man. And, and I'm keeping an eye on Marquette, too. But I, I like UConn because of their depth. Uh, and, and they're back. They're athletic, man. They know how to get stops, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm with you on UConn. Let me, let me go back to, okay, so how many games in are we before we think this is who a team is? In your opinion, will Creighton be a basketball team that will be able to shoot the basketball from behind the arc? Um, what well, I'll say this. I think we already know their identity, um, but I don't think we'll see their final form until probably uh, probably March. That's just how this team works. I mean, that, you saw that uh, last year. So I think that'll take some time. Um, but you, you did bring up a good point. With with depth for UConn, I think Creighton's probably looking over there like, damn, like we wish we had. Because I think <laughs> Clinton, when they went to Portland, won MVP of that tournament. Yeah. And that's a freshman backup big man. Like, uh, that, what a luxury that is, right? Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. I know Creighton's looking at that like, damn, like we, we went to Arkansas, we played Arkansas and got zero points out of our bench. Like that's, there's a disparity there. As talented as their, their father is, like, there's a disparity. And so um, I do think you can kind of envision the floor already, but I, I don't think you'll see the ceiling probably until March. But the, the, the ceiling and the floor seem so 
it seems like there's such a vast gap between those right now. Yeah. It's funny you bring up depth, though, because it seemed like early on this season, a lot of people were saying that yeah. this this Creighton team, they're as deep as it gets. They go nine deep, but now we're having this conversation just a week, <laughs> week and a half later, and saying, "Well, they're getting no bench points." Got to figure yeah. out. You got to figure out Miller, Sharif Mitchell. Like, if you want stops, you have to play Reef, but Reef has to be able to score. Miller's got to shoot it better. If Frederick King is going to play in the post, he's got to figure out a way to score, too, because I don't think Creighton wants to just go totally defensive-minded. But you have two really good defensive guys, but they have to help you offensively as well. Yeah, and I think the hype comes to the season behind the depth was the coaches, or more specifically Max, um, being adamant about this being his deepest team and really believing in the guys that were going to back his starters. Um, and I think for most of them, you're seeing guys that are going to be really talented rotational players and starters down the line, right? Like Mason Miller will be a good uh, wing at some point. Fred King looks like the future uh, for big men here. Um, and then Farabella was a guy like they really – I mean, you look at his career, he was a 40% three-point shooter – at TCU and was on the floor in those final moments when Arizona knocked him off in a tournament last year. So this was a guy who could close games. <clears throat> so they they were fully within the belief that these guys are really going to give them some good minutes. And, and they've all had their good spurts and good moments, but it just hasn't come together. And now we're looking at the discussion, I mean, more than ever, whether – uh, ben Schultzberg should play, whether Sharif shouldn't play anymore, because frankly, like, fans are, like, outraged by every minute he plays at this point. You know, Joel, we just had a question come in on Twitter. This is from Cody. His question to you is, how much of Creighton's struggles right now is just getting their legs back due to a lot of traveling, a lot of tough defensive teams in that short amount of time? The difference between emotional and physical fatigue, though. Yeah, and um, I think, <laughs> I, as crazy as it sounds, I think they are still seeing some effects from Maui. Um, hmm. And then the Austin thing, it, it feels like, um, like with the Nebraska game, it felt like they overlooked them because, hey, they just came off playing three ranked teams. Um, and then Austin, you know, really four ranked teams in a row. So they had bigger fish to fry. And it, they didn't realize what Nebraska was until Nebraska smacked them in the face of day. So um, they they probably looked past that game. And then from a from a energy and exhaustion standpoint, uh, from from what I understand, uh, they're definitely certain certain guys are still feeling those effects. And um, I don't think they've got their legs completely under them. But even still, we're we're a couple weeks removed from Maui now. I personally. Uh, wouldn't attribute Maui to the loss the other day. I, I couldn't. Um, so, so I think you're seeing some of that, but not enough to really back the loss the other day. Joel, let me ask you this. Spending some time around Coach Mack and, and watching them practice and kind of getting a vibe, full disclosure, I'm pretty biased. I'm, I'm a Coach Mack guy, <laughs> both personally and professionally. He's always been able – it doesn't matter what's going on. 
whether it's controversy in the locker room, whether it's bringing in transfers, he's always found a way emotionally to plug into guys and to get them to maximize, right? He is he's the consummate servant leader. Is this a deal where he can, can he model the behavior that he wants in this team from a leadership standpoint? Or does somebody have to take the bull by the horns as a player? I think a little bit of both. Mm. Um, it's going to take stepping up from, from somebody. I I couldn't tell you who right now. I think before the season they were looking at Farabello as maybe being a guy uh, for that. But I don't know where that stands at this point. Um, and so, yeah, it will take uh, a little something from Mac, like a little kick in the in the butt from Mac, right? But – um, that's also a two-way street. It has to take both. And I look around, and um, this team is full of talented players, but I don't see a real stern, like a dog, you know, real put their foot down voice. Like they all are, like equally kind of like background guys in that sense. Like, I, I, I it's hard to explain, but. Uh, I haven't been pointed into the direction of a guy who could, one single guy who could turn this thing around with his voice. Joel, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and uh, we hope to uh, have you on again next week. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, hey, Joel. thanks, Joel. That's Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Toss him a follow at JX Lorenzi. DB, a lot of this stuff, too, as, as we kind of wrap this up before we head over to our next guest, something that, you know, may kind of fly under the radar here, too, is this team really hasn't had to play with a chip on their shoulder just yet. I know they lost to Arizona. They had the loss to Texas. But the loss to Nebraska hit harder and hit and hit deeper than the other two. So um, I think fans, w- once they see this team get back out this weekend, can expect a strong showing from this Creighton bunch against a weaker BYU squad. Yeah, well, I hope so. But, man, it, it's just interesting because I'm just kind of watching, and I'm a big body language guy and obviously knowing enough of those guys. I, so there's two things that I'm worried about. Number one, um, personal feelings aside for Coach Mack because he's one of those guys that I think kind of loves you into just the level of respect. You don't want to disappoint him, right? He's he's that kind of person, at least for me and, and, and to me. So, But this may be a deal where the players have to take the bull by the horns and somebody has to step up. Now, the problem is you've got a couple new guys. Shireman's capable, but he's got to shoot it better. So I don't think people will default. Kalk is kind of the steady Eddie, but it's not in his personality. Nemhart is maybe the most, mm, I think, consistent bucket getter. But it's hard when the guy that handles the ball the most still has to share with everybody else because he's really a a two in his mentality so i it's complicated man it's gonna be complicated coming up next let's add some big 10 whipped cream to your coffee this morning as we go around the league here on hail varsity radio
Back with you on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, brought to you by Red Zone Ticket Selling Fund since 2001. Need tickets, DB? Or have tickets but can't go? Red Zone Tickets buys and sells tickets for all types of events. That's Morgan Wallen, Terrence Crawford, NCAA Volleyball Final Four in Omaha, Creighton and Husker Basketball, UNO Hockey, you name it, they have it. NFL, too. How about uh, Chiefs fans, Vikings fans, Cowboys fans? Red Zone Tickets has a wide variety of NFL tickets at many price points. Red Zone Tickets is located in Omaha and is a reliable local source with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. This year, give the gift of memories that last a lifetime. Visit RedZoneTickets.com today. That's RedZoneTickets.com. Back with you again on Coffee and Cream in the Morning. Now to welcome our friend, Tim May. Just not on the line just yet, I've been told. Nothing over there from Shaner. That's okay. Tim May, though, is our... Hey, it's okay. You can talk to me through the headsets, big <laughs> guy, because I can't hear you from behind the little Snoopy house. The little Snoopy house? Yeah, He's that is pretty Ohio, cool. Ohio State. Whoever, whoever built that, though, uh, good on him. I like how I can look at you through the window. Where are we at with Tim May? Uh, I'm just leaving him another message again. Okay. No worries. Uh, Ohio State, though, in the college football playoff. If you missed our conversation yesterday regarding the college football playoff, you can head over to Morning Dump. But, you know, this is essentially what we talked about, the, the path of Ohio State getting in. And prior to last weekend, DB, there were a ton of scenarios out there. Whether, hey, this happens, it's Ohio State, or this happens, maybe it's Alabama, or, you know, if Georgia somehow found a way to lose to LSU, could LSU be that team to come in? Tons of different scenarios, but... When it came down to it, Ohio State was the team that snuck in because of the USC loss, and we both said it. We think that was the right move. Yeah, I agree. I, listen, and I wasn't tickled because I don't like – I get it. I'm competitive. I – whatever. I just didn't like the fact that a team laying in the cut that's not playing gets to benefit from folks that are laying it on the line. So I had to reconcile that with – it's fine. S- SC was in control of their own emotion or their own outcome, and that's all you can ask for in sports. So I don't feel bad for you. So I was just – that's the juxtapose. That's the positions between the two. I wouldn't say they backed their way in. They did what they had to do, and they lost to the best team in the Big Ten Conference. But SC was firmly in control of their own destiny and didn't get it done. No Jackson, Smith, and Jigba for this game, too, which – would only enhance Ohio State's offensive production, but it also isn't the end of the world, uh, seeing as he missed a good portion to the year at this point. Let's bring in Tim May of Letterman Row covering Ohio State football. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be with you guys. Tim, welcome back, man. I always enjoy talking to you. Uh-oh. Well, you need to spread out your life a little bit, brother. Hey, Tim, I was just alluding to the fact, uh, or not alluding, I was just solidifying to the audience that Jackson Smith and Jigba is not playing in the college football playoff, but also saying that it's not the end of the world, seeing as he missed a good portion to the year. But were you surprised at all at his decision to not suit up in this game? No. I mean, he he's only played in three games this year and uh, suffered a you know, who knows how severe his hamstring injury was. Evidently, it was pretty good. <laughs> good isn't bad. And uh, sometimes good is bad. But, 
came back, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm no doctor, but I play one on TV or radio. <laughs> and uh, my opinion, I was saying even when he, when he did, he came back too early, uh, strained it again. And then, of course, he tried to play against Iowa. And um, and that was that. And he's gotten, you know, a couple of other opinions on it. They all come back with the same opinion that rest, rehab, et cetera, was the best thing for him, uh, the way I understand it. And uh, just like Ohio State doctors and trainers were telling him. So I guess my point is that, that train really moved on a long time ago uh, as far as if he did get to come back, it was going to be a bonus. But, you know, how in groove was he going to be with, like, C.J. Stroud, et cetera? So uh, it's not a big it's not a big uh, headline maker uh, in, in that sense here in Columbus because uh, there's a guy named Marvin Harrison Jr. who might end up winning the Belitnikoff this year who kind of stepped in place, you know, stepped in his place and kept moving. Kind of like Devontae Smith did a couple of years ago for Alabama. Hey, so, Tim, when you're – so right – I'm trying to figure this out, and I got to go back to a couple of years ago. I was doing a, a broadcast for for BTN, and I remember Aaron interviewing Coach Day after the game, and we're out there on the field, and there's a lot of flash and dash, and you know Ohio yeah. State was just doing their thing, wrecking shop in Lincoln, and it looked pretty, it looked highly skilled. Yet all he talked about was toughness. Every interview you watch him do, he seems to be either edgy or on edge or displeased about the perception. How much of his personality in terms of what we see on the surface is really what this team exudes when they play football games? Well, that's a pretty complex question, but, but you did hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's been trying, you know, he's – He's heard. Let's put it this way. He's heard or read. He's heard the uh, the uh, criticisms of his team, especially all year after that after that Michigan game a year ago, uh, that it wasn't tough enough. It wasn't physical enough at the line of scrimmage, uh, right on down the line, and uh, worked. I mean, what he changed three members of his defensive staff, like that. brought in a new offensive, <laughs> brought in a new offensive line coach uh, to address. You know. In essence, that because he didn't think he 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 truly believed that that did need to be addressed, and uh, and he spent all year really like everybody else looking forward to that rematch uh, with Michigan, and it didn't turn out the you know the way they wanted. And I'm just talking about you know his recent uh, situation. So <coughs> it's funny if you if you're around him right now, you feel like he's got a new lease on life because uh, Utah beats USC. And now they've got another shot at their a- absolute goal, which is playing for a national championship. But yeah, uh, I think he's—I'm—I'm I'm not saying he's worried about perception. He's just—he's just concerned about his football team being able to line up on occasion on fourth and one and blow somebody off the ball. And uh, as any coach is, right? And uh, and he took that to heart over the past year and. That really, really, the Michigan game didn't really come down to that. The Michigan game came down to giving up five of the most ridiculous, uh, uh, as I call them, incendiary plays you've ever seen for a total of 350-something yards and five touchdowns. Are you kidding me? You won't see that again probably ever in an Ohio State game. But uh, 
but then trying to match that, you know, with your offense and falling short. I know I'm going around the bush. I think your perception of him, of wanting his team to play tough, be tough, uh, is a real thing. Mm. Uh, but uh, it was mainly because he thought that might have been the one lacking ingredient with, 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 with his team coming out of last season. So uh, I don't know how to answer that other than what I just did. And could you please read that back to me? <laughs> <laughs> we are talking with Tim May, Tim May of Letterman Row covering Ohio State football. <laughs> you can follow him at Tim underscore May Sports. Tim, we had a short segment here, so I'm going to get you out on this note. Oh, Ohio- sorry about that. No, no, no worries. Hey, listen. Any we'll get you again. Any chance to get you, we're going to try to I sound like a you. filibuster here. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, no, Ohio State squeaks in with the USC loss, of course, but it's a tall mountain to climb now uh, to compete against yeah. a Georgia team that hasn't felt really tested all year. What sort of game plan, keeping it with Ryan Day, uh, what sort of game plan does he need to put together here to be unique enough to keep the Bulldogs guessing and possibly pull off this upset? Who's running well, number the one, ball? You got, you, <laughs> number one, yeah, number one, you got you you got you got to uh, dispel this myth that they're unbeatable because obviously they could have lost at Missouri this year. Or you know? Kentucky. Kent and State, Kentucky, yeah. Kent, exactly, and Kent State gave them a hell of a game, you know. Uh, LSU is not my barometer, uh, except for why Alabama's not in the college football playoff. That's a great barometer. Uh, but uh, they got to be – they've got to line up and – and do what they do best, but maybe better than any other team, and definitely in the college football playoff, is throw the ball down the field to a couple of three receivers who are really good and a tight end who just didn't have that magical day against uh, Michigan. If Kate Stover had pulled in a couple of those passes, uh, it would have been probably a different day for Ohio State. But you got to attack them, you know, you, which is go at them. Anybody can see that about Georgia's defense. Don't run wide. Don't, don't go wide. You know, go after them. And then defensively, you just can't give up the big play, man. I mean, and they got snookered on three or four on three of those big plays. They got snookered, and you can't when you're playing a four-two-five and you don't have a safety deep. You're develop you're devoting that that extra safety to stopping the run. Okay. Uh, you know you got you got to make plays when it's your shot. Tim, you're the man. Appreciate I, you, Tim. I, I love a little football I about jargon that. too. I don't know about I don't know about the standards you got over there, but uh, I'll take it. I'll change them. Hey, talk soon, <laughs> Tim. Thanks, I'll, Tim. I'll accept this award for all football geeks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> take care, Tim. Who's your hoops up next? You got it. Welcome back to Hale Varsity Radio. Powered by Currency. It's coffee and cream in the morning, and we continue our Big Ten Whip now. On the phone, Pete DiPremio. He provides coverage of Hoosier basketball. Pete, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, good to talk to you again, Pete. How are you? I am well. The weather's uh, cool, gray, but uh, that's the Hoosiers were on a roll for a while, and then got complicated once Big Ten started. So we shall see what happens uh, tomorrow night. Hey, listen. So, folks in Nebraska figured this out. Maybe the Indiana knows now too. The House of Horrors in Piscataway for hoops is a real thing. Quietly, that is not a nice place to play. Oh, you are absolutely right. They, they, there's something like ten and three against ranked teams at home yeah. in the last, you know, couple. <laughs> there they've been uh um i know they upset purdue when purdue was number one last year undefeated they upset them uh, uh their big 10 opener um they just play really really tough they're they're hard-nosed they're aggressive they control the offensive rebounding 
Um, yeah, so it is a tough place to play, and uh, IU learned that lesson. They already lost. Uh, they've lost now six straight times with Rutgers, so you'd think they would have learned that lesson, but maybe they needed one more. You saw what Nebraska did to Creighton this past weekend, too. They're coming in on a high, looking to play spoiler first at Indiana and then possibly at Purdue. But when it comes to prep, how is Indiana preparing for a squad that really has a different player getting hot uh, on any given night? I know, yeah, I know Nebraska has, what, five double-figure scorers, like four guys have scored 20 points in a game, four guys have had double-doubles in a game, so um, they just have to defend everybody. They can't just, you know, target one person. I know Derek Walker, but uh, they have, which they have prided themselves on, and, and just uh, they'll, they'll mostly play man-to-man, they'll play aggressive, they'll, they'll play uh, tenaciously, well, hopefully, I guess from my youth perspective, Um but yeah, with the, with the the ability to hit threes and go inside, this is not the um, this is a far different Nebraska team. I, I know this is what they've been shooting for. So Indiana, uh, it will help certainly that uh, IU is going to be playing at home. So Pete, let me tell you something. Let me ask you something. I know about the front court. I listen. Trace Jackson Davis, he's the real deal. He probably should have an acronym. We should just probably call him TJD or mm-hmm. whatever he is in Bloomington, right? Race Thompson, quietly old school, low post, right? I mean, the Dan Dockages of the world are like gushing. But between Cop and Shafino, how important? And Xavier Johnson, who almost was a Husker, as you know, how much does right. that backcourt matter when you look at the long-term trajectory? Of this basketball team, well, the back the backcourt matched quite a bit uh, uh, until Rutgers. Xavier Johnson was playing probably as well as any guard in the Big Ten. Then life got complicated for him. Um, then Jalen Hutchinson did not play against uh, um, uh, uh, last week or, or in the last game because he had back spasms, so he wasn't at the he was at the Rutgers game, but he didn't play, so they missed him. Um, and then Miller Cop played the game of his, well, I don't want to say, necessarily say the life, but uh, one of his better games that I one points. He was like five or seven from three-point range. So he, he is a big factor. Um, and then they've got some freshmen coming in. So uh, they have been balanced. Um, they had like uh, nine guys play significantly, nine guys contribute. Um, but that did not happen against Rutgers. Uh, and a big part of it, beyond some struggling from the shooting standpoint, was uh, rebounding. Rutgers dominated them on the boards, which uh, Mike Woodson said should not have happened. Will Jalen hood Shafino be back for this game? Uh, it, it's unclear. IU has not announced anything. Um, so, I, uh, you know, back spasms, if, if, if he's good to go. I, I know he had that problem in high school, but they didn't think it was going to be a long-term problem. Um, they certainly could use him and would use him. Um, uh, you know, tomorrow night, he's not, he hasn't, he's had moments where he shot well. He shot very well against North Carolina. He had like 14 points and, and was very efficient. Um, but he's, he's like six, seven. He's long. He doesn't play like a freshman, which is why he's a co point guard, um, with, with the veteran Xavier Johnson. So, um, he's a real factor, but it's unclear whether he'll be playing. So let me, let me ask you something in, in 2022 slash 2023, college basketball, maybe basketball in general, can IU be who they want to be playing through the post, through the front court, without being as consistent as you'd like from behind the arc? They have to have both. 
They have to shoot well, and, and that's been a big priority. That's been a problem for them in the last six years. They have not shot well from three-point range and have not shot well from the line. Now, it, until until the Rutgers game, they were they were shooting well from the line and they were shooting well from three-point range. So they, they have to have both. Um, the Rutgers took uh, Jackson Davis away for the most part. He ended up with a double-double, but uh, it was a hard-earned double-double. Yeah, it's only really, 11 field goal attempts, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so they they doubled him. Uh, not only did they double him well, which other teams have done and denied that, but they also defended the three point uh, arc very well. So, other than Miller Cop, and then some of it, you know, some of it was they defended well. Some of it was I. He was missing shots. But Miller Cop was like five for seven. I mean, I think it was five for nine, and everybody else was like one for sixteen. So that can't that, that can't happen. But otherwise. I'm sure Nebraska and everybody will just pack it in. Force IU will beat them from the outside, and IU's going to have to hit those shots. So I know, you know, you know, Renault and, and Geronimo uh, obviously getting minutes without Shafino, but you can easily Indiana can easily play eight guys more than 10, 12 minutes a game. Do you like this team's depth as they're trending into Big Ten play? Oh yeah, I mean they really have two separate, you know, two complete units that uh, again before Rutgers. Uh, the you could argue in some ways the second unit was as, as effective as the first unit. So they have plenty of depth. They have guys who can make a difference, um, and they had been showing that until Rutgers. So basically, we'll, we will determine partly with you know tomorrow them playing at home against Nebraska whether Rutgers was an anomaly or that's the way it's going to be in the Big Ten. You know, that's a great point there. Can is quick follow-up to that point because I I was sitting back here listening to what you were saying and was thinking, man, was that loss to Rutgers just a fluke or did you notice or, or did it present rather any noticeable noticeable flaws that this team will need to address going forward? Well, the, the one big flaw uh, was the uh, rebounding and the way Rutgers controlled the offensive rebounds, and that was from the, the opening tip. Yep. So they controlled the offensive rebounds. They out-rebounded IU overall. That for sure can't happen. So even if you're not shooting well, um, obviously if they're getting offensive rebounds and, and, and get you know, second-chance points, but that did not happen. And again, they, IU had been doing all that. Even you know, They played at Xavier, which is a very good team and in a very hostile environment, and they won that 81-79. So they showed a lot of toughness and grit there that did not manifest itself against Rutgers. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I'd say, you know, rebounding, they have to rebound better. Uh, it's interesting. I'm just – this is why – I like stats as a baseline, but I'm notorious here locally for the last 15, 20 years of doing this. I don't like stats in a vacuum. And I see nine assists, and you're thinking, oh, okay, that's more than 50% on field goals made. But you want to shoot better – then 17 of 56 from the field. Nebraska's playing some drop coverage. They are very good handling ball screens. You are a front court heavy team. Is there a way that IU has to play offensively with the way Nebraska plays defensively that you think will be advantageous? Well, one thing I noticed in Nebraska tends to, when they play defense, they don't follow a whole lot. So Nebraska's getting to the line and uh, the opponents are not. Um, well, you know, with IU's perspective, they're scoring a lot of points in the paint. They had like 50 points in the paint against uh, North Carolina. That was not all from just uh, Trace Jackson Davis. Oh, I know. Drive. <laughs> so, so, so they're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to spread the floor. They're going to have to uh, hit some outside shots, and they're going to have to attack the rim. Uh, certainly, if they can get their fast break going and get in transition, 
um, you know, and beat Nebraska to the point there. They will try to do that, but you got to rebound. You got to rebound. So that it all circles back to rebounding. But they like to play fast. They like to push the tempo. Um, and we will see if they can do that against Nebraska as they did not do against Rutgers. Pete DiPremio on the phone right now. Give him a follow. It's at P. DiPremio on Twitter. He is our Indiana Hoosiers basketball insider here. Pete, you know, kind of just uh, an off-topic question here. When I was doing my research on your background, it said you wrote children's books. Um, <laughs> can, can you tell yeah. me, like, what your favorite children's book was to write? Um, uh, the Emperor Nero, um, who was, uh, he, he led a, a very intense life. <laughs> and when I talked to the publisher about that, they go, you understand that there's some nasty things. And, uh, they said, okay, cause the, the children's book was, um, like middle school age, like 10 to 14 age group. Um, so not only was, was Nero had some issues, but his father was a psychopath and his mother was a psychopath. And, um, so his father was assassinated. And his mother uh, married her uncle and then killed him so Nero could take oh. the throne. <laughs> but anyway, that was all part of the children's book. So. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Send us that book. We'll give it a read. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, I'm sure we don't have enough time, but it's an interesting way on Nero ended up taking out his mother. And he did it sort of like a James Bond type way. But again, it would take probably too long than, than what you guys <laughs> right. Hey, Pete, I want to get you out of here on this. Speaking of happy endings versus not happy endings, given how Woodson was hired versus what's happening now, do you get the sense this is going to be a happy ending for a guy that was a little maligned during the hiring process? Yes, I do. I mean, I, I really I really think, you know, he's the right guy. He's recruiting well. Um, they've got a good offense. They've got a good defense. Got a great um, staff. What's that? you got a great staff. Yes, the staff is there. I, I mean, it, everything is in place for success. Uh, the goal is to win the Big Ten and not just win the Big Ten. And, and uh, the fact that Trace Jackson Davis came back, that got everybody pumped that this could be, you know, a, a, not just a Big Ten championship team, but a national championship team. So that's what they're targeting. You know, obviously um, losing to Rutgers hurt, but you got to figure as tough as the Big Ten, you got to figure 15-5 and five or 16-4 and four is going to win the Big Ten. So nobody's going to be undefeated. And um, – and we'll see what happens. But, yes, Mike seems to be the right guy at the right time. Mm. Pete Premio, we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Enjoy the day. Thank you, guys. You take care. Thanks, Pete. And thank you all out there for joining us this morning. We'll see you tomorrow on Coffee and Cream, powered by Currency.